On today's show, new starting lineup for the Houston Rockets. Christian Wood at the five, spacing galore. Clutch threes, clutch free throws, and of course, the man of the hour. Bought a house for the team. Breaking down the Rockets' second win of the season. No more losing streak coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, co-host of Locked on NBA Thursdays and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets and of course at Apollo H-O-U. So much to talk about today. We got a Rockets win to talk about, and I've got a very special guest joining us here in just one second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or need and can even help you negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Now, here to help me break down the end of the Rockets losing streak. No more losing streak for the Houston Rockets. The second win of the season against the Chicago Bulls is none other than fellow Houstonian, the Mastodon himself, host of Rockets with Roosh and host of the Noble and Roosh show on ballislife.com, Mr. R-Double, Roosh Williams. How's it going, my guy? R-Double. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk about all things Rockets win for the first time in 15 games. And also, um, should we drop the little special news that we have? Yeah, of course. I mean, I was, I'm glad you're going to see You're going to throw it back to me. So I, I hope that, you know, in, in all of any of your interactions with Roosh, if you've checked out his show, either of his two shows, because this man is one of the hardest working men in uh, basketball media, Roosh is going to be with us every week from now on, on third, hang on, I got to get this right. Recording Wednesday, Thursdays. There we go. I got to get the day right. But Roosh is going to be with us moving forward at Locked on Rockets once a week. So we got that. We got this baller all star lineup now. We got Kelly Eco once a week. We got you once a week. I got Ali Khan waiting in the wings when whenever he's ready to throw down a show. This is some exciting stuff moving forward, man. I'm really excited about this opportunity to have you on the show more often. And I'm extremely excited to join the show. Um, obviously, a huge fan of what you do, Jackson Gatlin co-host of NBA Thursdays on Lockdown and the uh, Apollo partner in Apollo Media. Um, you know, I've been listening to this podcast since Ben DuBose was doing it. And listening to this podcast is one of the ways that I really transitioned into, you know, kind of talking about the Rockets on Twitter as much as I now do, which is more than I ever thought I would. Um, so super excited to be joining as a weekly guest. Really look forward to it. I hope the listeners and the viewers look forward to it. And also just the plug. Um, I do my own show sporadically, not as beautifully, principally and structured as you do. But I just when I'm feeling it, when I got the juice, you know, whenever the whenever the spirit hits me, I spit um, Rockets with Roosh. So if you're on here on YouTube, type in Rockets with Roosh, subscribe, follow. You'll get my musings and my thoughts on there. But, yo, 
Rockets dub, baby. I mean, it feels like it honestly felt like it was never going to happen. I can't believe we're here. Truly. It's, against it, the Bulls, nonetheless. Against the Bulls. The Bulls are a, a really solid team. I did not expect the losing streak to, to, to come to a close against the Chicago Bulls with, you know, how they've been playing so far this season. But we've got a 118-113 dub against Chicago. And coming into this game... We kind of knew we knew Kevin Porter Jr. would be inserted back into the starting lineup. We found out, okay, KPJ's healthy. He's ready to be back. So the gigantic question mark was, okay, what's going to happen with the rest of the starters, right? They'd been running Eric Gordon, Jalen Green, Jay Shante, Christian Wood, Daniel Tice. They experimented. They had Daniel House in the starting lineup for a game. That ended atrociously. And lo and behold, Daniel House becomes the hero in this game, which we will talk about a little bit later on. But the biggest thing from tonight's game is Steven Silas opting to start Christian Wood at the five, slide Jay Sean Tate over to the four, and it unlocked so much space. Roosh, this is something that you have hammered on on social media. You've talked about it on Twitter. You've talked about it on your show. I've hammered this to death. The Rockets spacing issues have been so insurmountable for this team. They had they all so many of the struggles for this team can be traced back to the lack of spacing, be it for the bigs, for the front court, for the guards, all over the place. Daniel Tice played a whopping zero minutes in this game. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that in some of the Rockets' best performances this season, Daniel Tice has, you know, played what less than 20 minutes or zero minutes or hasn't been a factor at all. And I don't want to come. I don't want to slam Daniel Tice. I don't think that's the goal here. He just doesn't fit with Christian Wood. He doesn't fit with what this team needs to be able to do. And I think we saw that on display in this game, right? We saw the spacing. Kevin Porter Jr. looked great. Jalen Green looked great in the first quarter that he played in and then regrettably leaving due to the hamstring injury. Um, well, can't call it a hamstring injury. I apologize. lower leg injury. We don't have the specifics on it other than we know it was his left leg. It was his right leg back in summer, summer league, which was a hamstring. So other than that, we don't know anything else about Jalen green other than, you know, he left the game early, but both of those guys looked really great to start this game. And so much of it was because of the spacing. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I tweet a lot about how Daniel Tice playing isn't a good thing. And I don't mean it to slam on Daniel Tice, but look, I mean, how can we talk about this game without inevitably hurting somebody's feelings, right? At the end of the day, it's a game of space, um, especially in today's game. And he does not provide that space, right? And he doesn't provide – you can get by without, you know, being a spacer, right? Rashawn Holmes, random name that comes to mind. He's not a spacer, but he can run at the five and be serviceable at it and be pretty good at it at times. And then you can go down the list of a bunch of other bigs that can do it. But you have to have a, a skill, right? You have to have athleticism to get above the rim if you can't shoot or you have to have touch around the basket or vision to pass something to offer on offense. Daniel Tice doesn't. He does, you know, he sets like screens and kind of clears people out of the way, but that doesn't give you space. And on a team that is struggling with shooting, doesn't really have legitimate shooters most of the time, space is everything. I mean, one of my big takeaways tonight was the importance of Kevin Porter Jr. I have been very worried about Kevin Porter Jr. Um, I've kind of tweeted that, you know, he's still a project and I believe that he is still a project. And I even said on Rockets with Roosh that I, an episode I released today, Wednesday, that we're recording this earlier today before this game. I said during the three games he was out, there was never a moment where I, I, I was watching the Rockets and thought, man, if we had Kevin Porter Jr., you know, we'd be closer in this game or maybe we'd win this game. Tonight, Kevin Porter Jr. was instrumental. I think he played 37 minutes. 
Um, even starting the game off, right? So take these two things, spacing with Tice out of the game, Kevin Porter Jr.'s importance and inability to actually manage the game as a point guard. What do we see the game start out with? KPJ Christian would pick and roll. And it opened things up from the jump. It opened things up, right? It resulted in a Jalen Green open corner three because KPJ and Christian Wood ran a pick and roll on like the elbow on the side, on the left side of the floor if you're facing the basket. Defenders had to help over on Christian Wood as the open roll man. KPJ penetrated to the middle. Jalen Green's man had to help off of that action. He was wide open for a three. They did it again. Christian Wood, instead of rolling to the basket, floated back, picked and popped, caught it, got a three. Like they started the game with back-to-back threes, if I'm not mistaken, because they made adjustments to create space and they ran action with purpose instead of just kind of standing around the basket. All that starts, unfortunately, all that starts with Daniel Tice sitting. Um, You said, you know, some of the best games of the season have come with Daniel Tice playing 20 minutes or less. I tweeted that the three best games of the season after the Oklahoma City win all happened with Daniel Tice on the bench. And those three games were on the bench playing exactly zero minutes. And those three games were the Lakers game against uh, the Lakers when LeBron James played and AD played and Westbrook played and the Rockets lost lost 119-117 when Scoot uh, almost hit that buzzer beating three. And then the game right after that when Tice was also out against the Suns when they came out you know, on fire against the Suns. So I don't think it's a coincidence. There is no agenda against Daniel Tice. You can look at the numbers that backs up all this, all this notion. But the Rockets actually play good basketball and spread out basketball. And when you're a young team that can't shoot, but you do have athleticism, you have to utilize space in order to get to the basket and in order to create easy baskets and easy opportunities. And that's what we saw. I think very clearly, you know, moving forward, the the too big lineup has needs to become a thing of the past. Like it's, it's gotta be out of here. We, we even saw Steven Silas go back to it for a very brief stint. Um, you know, and I, I asked him specifically about this post game. I said, you know, Steven, you, you had that moment in the fourth quarter where you went with a lineup of Shingoon wood, you had Brooks and Matthews in and KPJ. So you had two shooters, two bigs and KPJ kind of steering things. And his his point for that was, you know, at at that point in time, he felt that KJ Martin wasn't quite spacing the floor the way that he needed to with that, you know, group of guys on the floor. So he put Christian Wood back in in place of KJ momentarily. And then, uh, you know, a minute or two later, subbed out Alper and Shingoon and went back to having solely just one five on the floor. So Steven Silas did say that his, you know, starting lineup isn't going to be a set starting lineup moving forward. He might change it around depending on certain matchups. So I don't think we can guarantee that Christian Wood is going to be the starting five for this team moving forward. But what we can come away with, and this has got to be, look, I, I've been very critical of Steven Silas as of late over the last you know couple of weeks or so, um, you know, trying to see what, what his vision is for this team, what the identity for this team is. And I still think they're still fine. Like, I don't think they found it in one game, right? I, they didn't just suddenly stumble into an identity after going, you know, 15 losses in a row. It's not that easy of a, of a fix, but, I commend Steven Silas for making the change, for finding, for making good substitutions, for following quality rotation patterns in this one. He felt like he had a very firm grasp on this game from opening tip till the final buzzer, plugging and playing the right guys at the right times. The first two subs off the bench, right? So you had the starting lineup, the new, the new and improved starting lineup of KPJ, Eric Gordon, Jalen Green, uh, Jay Sean Tate, and then Christian Wood. The first two subs off the bench brought in Armani Brooks for Eric Gordon. So you're swapping one spacer, one floor spacer for another floor spacer, and then bringing in KJ Martin for Jay Sean Tate. So you're bringing in another guy who 
is maybe one of the quote-unquote non-shooters on the team, but ultimately swapping him for the other non-shooter on the floor. So still prioritizing all that spacing that was what, you know, made it so made the Rockets so effective, you know, for stretches of this game. But all that to be said, Roosh, this game wasn't like a walk in the park. They actually kind of, right, they 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 kind of floundered a little bit at the end of the second quarter and didn't have a hot start to the third quarter and that's when the hero of the game checked in in one Daniel House Jr. and we're going to talk about him and his impact on the rest of this game coming up in just one moment after a quick message from our friends over at Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. So don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, one click, one button. It is that easy. So look, don't fall for any more subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. Go right now. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. And another message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because look, it's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. But if you're looking for a delicious holiday treat that isn't chock full of calories, like maybe you're going to pass up on a couple slices of pie at the Thanksgiving table, right? Check out Built Bar, right? You can get a you can get a coconut Built Bar. You can get a raspberry Built Bar. There's great substitution options for all those like, you know, Thanksgiving favorites that you might need to pass up on if you're trying to watch your weight a little bit, anything like that, right? Every single built bar, it's low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great if you're on a keto diet. Great if you're trying to lose a little weight. Maybe, you know, again, you want to stay away from the Thanksgiving feast or maybe not all of it, but parts of it this holiday season. And you can check them out. Just visit built.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off of the best tasting protein bars. Again, that's LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Please, we'd sincerely appreciate it if you make Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Joined by Roosh Williams, who you can follow on Twitter at Roosh Williams. Uh, do you need to throw an R double in there while I'm plugging your name? The, I am the mastodon. You see, the thing about being me or the thing about me is, is that I just... I cycle through nicknames. I make them up as I go. You know, people people say you're not supposed to give yourself nicknames. Rubbish, nonsense. I've given myself a ton of nicknames. They always stick. Uh, so our double, our double, the Mastodon himself. Lately, it's been Mastodon mode um, because I have been just attacking fools on Twitter. Most most notably, Stefan Bondi and today, Chris Mannix. Um, by the way, if I ever put another album out, it's going to be called Mastodon. Probably. I love that. Probably I love that. But, but yeah. No, we're, we're, we're expecting, we're going to, we're going to need a championship album once the Rockets win a chip. Okay. That's what's going to happen is the Rockets going to win a chip and Roosh Williams, the Mastodon is going to put out another amazing album for us. All right. We're going to, we're going to get back on track here for a moment. So let's dive in Roosh. Daniel House Jr. Who it, I can't even say that like Rockets fans have a love hate relationship with Daniel House Jr. Because I feel like there's a lot more hate than love in that relationship at this point, at this stage in his career. Unfortunately, up until this game, which is easily the best game that he's had this season, maybe the best game that he's had in the last two seasons, honestly, um, including last year, uh, given the injury issues that he was struggling with, all that. Daniel House Jr. checks into this game, 
and immediately becomes a force hitting seemingly every single shot that he attempts was effective Almost. on the defensive end. Huh? Almost. He was six to seven, four or four. There we go. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it felt like he was going to put everything he put up was going in except for that. The one miss that he had. And frankly, it felt like, and I don't know if this is just where we're at with the Daniel house cycle, you know, with, with how he plays, but it felt like he was really not trying to force things in this game, right? It felt like he was playing well within the flow of the offense. There were a lot of times, right, where he would bring the ball up the court, and it felt like in previous games, right, he'd be, you know, bring the ball up and then immediately look to, like, attack, like, the, un, you know, the, the defense before it gets set. And we would get one of those, like, you know, he cocks the ball back and misses a dunk right at the rim. Um, but in this one, it felt like he was like, bring the ball up. And then he was kind of serving and he's like, all right, let me get it to, let me get it to DJ. Let me get it to KPJ. Let me, let's, we're, we're going to set up the offense in the half court and just playing within the flow of things. And he is absolutely, I mean, he, he hard carried the Rockets in this game. I don't think there's any ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think he was the best player for the Rockets in this game. Um, he was definitely one of them. Uh, he was one of the most timely players as well. I'll say you know, it, watching him tonight, so I was at the game, okay? And um, when you're at the game, at least for me, like the way that my memory processes and remembers the game is a little bit different than when you get to see all the angles and the replays and pause and rewind and all that on TV, right? So I may be missing some things, but it's interesting because you get to see other things that you don't see on TV. But I, I, the reason I say that is because it felt like he was catching and shooting, to your point. He wasn't forcing it. It felt like he wasn't coming up and trying to, like, ISO and enforce the step back, which I think we've all got like a bad taste in our mouths from his step back at this point in the uh, Rockets and Daniel House relationship. He was catching and shooting. Um, he was doing it in the rhythm, in the flow of an actual offense, which is a new thing for the season, right? We saw an actual offense, which was nice. Um, but truly, man, it it tonight, his performance reminded me, honestly, of why we fell in love with the dude in the first place and why we put so much stock in the dude in the first place during the Harden years, you know? When he first came onto the scene, and I tweeted this, I said, Daniel House out there making a difference, it feels like 2019. When he first came onto the scene, it seemed like he couldn't miss. He was one of our best three-point shooters. He was perfect in the D'Antoni catch-and-shoot three offense and all that. And tonight, I mean, he was doing the same thing, hitting timely threes. And I know you saw it. After every three-pointer he made, he was emphatically throwing that bow up and just letting it go. Like, he was stopping wherever he was to just throw the bow. It was incredible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if the Rockets get that – look, the Rockets bench, by the way, and to lump this in with Daniel House, three-point shooting off the bench, two, two of four from Garrison Matthews, three of six from, Ar from Armani Brooks – that is 5 of 10, 0 of 1 from Augustine, 5 of 11, 2 of 3 from Shingun. That's 7 of 14. I'm going off the top of my head here. Could be wrong. 4 of 4 from House. That's 11 of 18, 0 of 2 from KJ Martin. That's 11 of 20. I might have missed the math in there, but that is 55%. 11 of 20. When you get that from the bench, you're going to get what you got tonight. 17 of 36 overall from deep. Also, if my math is right, 11 of 20, that means that the starting lineup went 6 of 16. So it kind of underscores how the shooting in the starting lineup may, may not be, you know, isn't the best. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, House was incredible, kind of showed you the quintessential role player, showed you that when guys come off the bench on this team and make threes, this is what you get. Another person I want to talk about, um, and we're going to get to Shangun, but Garrison Matthews. How about Garrison Matthews? Hit he, the clutch three. He like, played uh, minutes off the bench, dude. He played the, the, the second most minutes off the bench. House and Armani Brooks tied for 17 minutes. Garrison Matthews played 28 minutes. This man came off waivers off the G League 
And he's now what your sixth man. <laughs> I, mean, I think, I think it's worth throwing in there as of no. And I, I, I didn't get a chance to ask Silas, right. Jalen green was out. I, I wanted, I didn't get a chance to ask Silas pregame. If, if, you know, Jalen being or KPJ being back was going to squeeze one of Garrison Matthews or Armani Brooks out of the rotation. Obviously it didn't tonight because Jalen green left at, you know, the tail end of the first quarter. So that is unfortunate, but at the same time, it's great that now the Rockets have two serviceable, confident sharpshooters that they can pull off the bench in Armani Brooks and Garrison Matthews, who both had, you know, really exceptional games in this one. And you can see not only, you know, we we really you know hammered home the, the take on on the spacing, you know, being different for this Rockets team in the first segment. But you can see not only how impactful having just one big out there, be it Wood or Shingun at the five spot, is for the spacing, but also having quality shooters out there that the defense has to honor, right? Because guys can't sag off their man; they they can't leave home, or they're going to leave these quality three point shooters wide open. And you're going to see you know points in the game like Christian Wood had a couple of really nice passes back-to-back where it was one in transition where he hit Armani Brooks on the wing, Armani drills a three-pointer, and then he comes back down and hits another three-pointer back-to-back in the third quarter. And then a little bit later on, like a couple possessions later, Christian Wood hits Garrison Matthews in the corner for another three-pointer. So it just unlocks so much more. Christian Wood, I got to give him a little bit of credit tonight. The efficiency not quite there where you would like it to be, 6 of 14 shooting, a little bit less than efficient. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. I know where you're going. I just want to, I, I like to finish sentences and I want to know if we're on the same page here. Go. Six assists. Yeah, six assists. Six assists. Career, career high tying six assists for Christian Wood. And he talked a little bit post game. He was saying, you know, he's really, you know, working on that element of his game, right? Being able to involve others. And I talked to him about how, I asked him how difficult is it, right? Balancing, you know, being, you know, somebody who can ISO and kind of get yours whenever you want versus playing more of a team oriented style, right? Playing in the pick and roll, pick and pop, you know, getting the, getting touches and creating for others. And he said, I'm still figuring that part of my game out. But I think that's when Christian Wood is at his best, when he's not just tunnel visioning to score, but when he's looking to get his teammates involved and making those quality reads, which I think we saw a lot of in this game. Well, it's a make or miss league. And it's so, it's so cliche, but it's also so true. And the Rockets that we've been getting over the, you know, the course of the season has been a team that doesn't make their threes because they're playing with no space. And not only do they not have space, but they don't have guys that can shoot, which is why they don't have space. But you see the difference, right? When Christian Wood is surrounded with guys that – here's the other thing. Basketball is about – I say this all the time. It's about rhythm, confidence, also trust. It helps a lot. You think these guys don't know who's on their team, you know? You think guys don't know, oh, damn, I got to kick it out to Tice – Right now, you know, I mean, honestly, when you're playing basketball, you know, it's not like he's thinking, okay, Tice shoots 12%. But when you kick it out to Daniel Tice, you know, God damn it, I got to kick it out to Daniel Tice. I hope this goes in, right? Um, and guys know that. But it's a much different game when Christian Wood, credit to him for the, the, the shot that iced the game, drives the middle. Who does he got in the corner? Garrison Matthews, right? And so he doesn't hesitate because these guys cover ground so quickly on the court that even a half second of hesitation when you're dribbling, you see the double and you think, okay, I got to kick it to Tice. I don't want to kick it to Tice, but I have to kick it to Tice. Boom. And when you do that, he already doesn't have enough time to gather and shoot with the clean amount of space that he needs to get the best possible look. Garrison Matthews, he doesn't think twice. Help comes, boom, wide open, can't. Like that, those little things at the margins is what separates, you know, good teams from great teams, from bad teams and all of that. So you're seeing what this offense actually looks like when there's space and there's shooters, right? We haven't had shooters. And, and I said this when Garrison Matthews was signed. 
I was like, look, he's a fringe NBA guy for a reason, but he can shoot the shit out of the basketball. And the Rockets desperately need that skill set. Armani Brooks, to his credit, man, you know, he can't really attack closeouts well. His defense is subpar. But tonight you saw it. When he's on, he's on. And this is what you can get. So when you have two guys, and, and I noticed Silas was always keeping a shooter out there. Brooks, Matthews, Gordon, he was able to play like with, you know, shooters out there that could actually kind of open things up. And so that's the way to get the best out of a guy like Christian Wood. When he's at the five, he can score. We all know that. But when he's crowded, he struggles to score. But now we're starting to see, hey, he can actually pass and make the right read and make the right kicks. And when he's got guys he can trust, it all works. And the rhythm's there. And you see a team that scores 118 points instead of the team that scored, you know, struggles to, to break 90, right? So so that was kind of what I noticed. And then also, let's talk about Alper and Shingun. Um, well, we I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, we're, we're going to talk about Al P because we can't not talk about Al P and the impressive game that he had. But we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. It's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means. Football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered for all the holiday seasons, more props, odds, and lines than ever before, right? BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. So head over to their new updated website and use promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. And look, it's not just football, right? They've got you for pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino game. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, they are stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We appreciate you making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Fantasy Basketball with host Josh Lloyd. Josh is amazing. If you care about fantasy at all, you've got to go check out Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Now, we're going to talk about LP here, Roosh, in just a second. But you brought up a really good point about Armani Brooks and not really be, you know, being able to like attack comfortably like off closeouts and stuff. Shout out to Garrison Matthews, who had... like that one where he dribbled, like drove the ball in and like finished through contact at the rim. And, you know, I thought that was really impressive from him because obviously he has not been shy about, you know, pulling up from three. He touches the ball and immediately he's, you know, lifting into a three-point shot the moment he touches the basketball. But to see him be able to like, you know, get that pump fake and drive it in on the baseline and finish strong at the rim, you know, I can't help but feel that, you know, when this Rockets roster is, hole, which we thought it was whole going into tonight. And then obviously the Jalen green injury is kind of a, you know, a super, you know, gigantic bummer on, on top of, you know, what was a really exciting, amazing night. I, I feel like Armani Brooks and Garrison Matthews are going to wind up fighting for some rotational minutes down the line. And I hate that for them because I feel like they both brought a lot to the table as, as shooters. Um, but between KPJ, Jalen green, Eric Gordon, like, where are you going to find the minutes for those two guys? So I feel like one of them might be squeezed. So it's going to be an interesting thing to watch moving forward for the rotation. But well, hold on to, to, okay. to add on to that real quick. Um, number one, I will say watching him live, I noticed Garrison Matthews gets a really poor whistle, but on both sides of the ball, um, he gets called for some fouls on defense where he's just moving his feet in his body with his arms out, not a foul at all. And you can see the frustration, frustration on his face when that happens. And then on the offensive end of the floor, um, he gets hacked sometimes going to the basket and doesn't get doesn't get a call. <clears throat> so credit to him for, you know, if he can establish himself as an NBA player and he starts getting those calls more favorably, I think you'll start to see even better performances out of him. 
to the point of them fighting for a rotation spot. 11 people played tonight. 11 people played double-digit double minutes. Now, if Jalen Green is out for an extended period of time, which unfortunately it seems like that's probably going to be the case, when I saw him walk into the locker room in person, it looked like he was grabbing a hamstring. I'm speculating. I don't know. Um, but 11 people, one, two, three, four, five, six, 11 people played double-digit minutes tonight. 11, 11 minutes was below, and that was Jalen Green, obviously, because he got hurt. It was like the anti-D'Antoni. Kind of crazy to see. Um, you know, and I think a lot of that is a byproduct of Silas realizing, hey, I need a shooter on the floor at all times. And so Garrison Matthews, Armani Brooks were definitely playing. I need a point guard, a backup point guard. DJ Augustine obviously played that role. I need energy guys. KJ Martin. I need my boy Shangoon. And then if Daniel House is hitting, I need Daniel House. So that was kind of a, a product of that. But yes, let us segue into Shin Goat himself. <laughs> 13 points on four of seven shooting two of three from behind the three-point line pulling that three ball with confidence like you know that was something that we noticed very much early on in the season is he was so hesitant to pull the trigger on that three ball and now he's he'll he'll still hezzy for a second because i feel like his his natural inclination when he grabs the basketball and you know lays fingers on it is to immediately you know, okay. kick it for a pass. Like he's, he's looking for something like he's looking yeah. to make a move immediately. Uh, he just, he processes the game so fast, but he's now looking more and more comfortable with that three point shot. So two or three, three point shooting three or five at the charity stripe finished with four boards, two assists, one steal. It, it doesn't feel like he only finished with two assists. Obviously that's just what he recorded, but the way that the offense just flows with him out there. He is the like connective tissue on the floor where he is like, you know, I need to go look up like how many like hockey assists he's racking up because it's the pass to the pass. That's actually the shot, right? So many times when he's on the floor and the way that this Rockets team is utilizing more cutting more <laughs> ball movement when they have him on the floor, because they know that he's going to be able to hit them with these little pocket passes, little bounce passes. His court vision is insane. I had to bump a tweet that I put out earlier in November as a joke. Somebody was like, who are the six best passers in the NBA? And I joke, I was like, LeBron, I said, I said, Jokic, LeBron, Harden, Trey. Uh, I think I threw Luca's name in there. And I put Shingoon as the sixth or just, just, you know, I was, I was joking, but after he had a, he had that ridiculous, like, I think it was like a little bounce pass to like a cutting DJ Augustine or something. And I was like, nah, that was, that was crazy. His passing is on display every single night. And I'm final. I'm happy that we finally got a game where he was able to really showcase that and be the you know the sole big on the floor. It doesn't feel like he only played 16 minutes though. It felt like his presence was that he played significantly more than that. Definitely didn't feel like that at all. And he was going at Nikola. Uh, is it Nikola? He was going at Vucevic. So big, 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 big Vucevic. I can't. I can't not think of the perfect. No. Um. So. He was going at, at Booch, man. Like, no no joke. That's a very large human being. Um, you know, at 19 years old, there were Bulls fans in front of me, and they were just kind of unable to, to process, like, how – they were like, this guy's only 19? That's crazy. He doesn't even have his legs under him yet. So, like, think about, think about that. Doesn't feel like he played 16 minutes, and you're completely right about the hockey passes. Here's the thing, okay? We got so conditioned and used to watching Harden go ISO, and we just got used to thinking, like, yeah, that's normal, which it's not. The thing about basketball – I think I say this too much, so sorry if I say this too much. But one of the things about basketball is in order to get easy buckets and in order to create offense, especially if you have trouble creating offense, is you have to put the defense in situations to make mistakes, right? Like if you just have a guy going ISO, the defense is set. They don't have to make moves. They don't have to make reads. 
you have to put the defense in positions where they they miss a coverage or they forget to tag and switch and guys are out of place. And that little split second of miscommunication now results in a wide open layup. And when Shangun is hitting people cutting down the middle and then they kick it to the corner for the hockey pass and then the person that catches it in the corner is going to now drive to the middle, you have the offense moving and now the defense is forced to react. And if they don't react correctly, you get open buckets and not only do you get open buckets, but you get those buckets in rhythm. Right. And again, that's what basketball is, man. You get the defense moving. You find your rhythm. You are now dictating the tempo and the pace and the flow of the game. And, and too often, almost exclusively all season, <laughs> the Rockets have not dictated any pace whatsoever. Right. They've just played like random God knows what basketball. But tonight we saw that. Right. And it start a lot of it starts with Shangun. He came in, I think, in the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, somewhere in there. They, they immediately went down. It was like 42-32, I think, 43-32, something like that. And then they started coming back. And then they continued to chip back. We talk about this a lot. Um, which we, We've been talking about when we criticize Silas. We say there's no development. These guys are just playing. We're not seeing development. I'll tell you what. Alperin Shangun coming out of the draft as a complete non-shooter, getting into the summer league as a 100% non-shooter, except for that deep prayer he hit in the summer league that we all like freaked out over. And now waltzing in to the regular season, shooting nine of 21, 43% from three, leading the team in three point percentage. That's development. Yeah, no, I absolutely. And I think, I think that Al P has been kind of, he's been like the brightest spot through, I think this even, and this could be potentially a hot take. I think he's been a, a, a brighter spot than Jalen green through the early part of the season. You know, I think Jalen green's significantly had his ups and downs, but a big part of that have been, and this is something we've talked about before with Jalen and KPJ is they've been, you know, they've been dealing with variables out of their control with the spacing issues. And that's what made this, you know, this game so unfortunate, you know, the hot start for Jalen green is we finally were getting to see what Jalen green could look like operating with space, right? He was able to really get into the teeth of the defense. He didn't have three, four defenders waiting to collapse on him right at the rim. He had a couple really impressive finishes. And then he had the one finish that, you know, looked like it was the one that actually caused him to basically leave the game where he came crashing down in transition and got fouled. Uh, but he was just a blur in transition, gets fouled, goes to the free throw line, nails the free throws, but then has to walk back to the locker room. So it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see the whole game with KPJ, but I think that, or sorry, not KPJ, I apologize, Jalen Green. But I think that's very evident how beneficial the starting lineup change and the rotations and the, you know, the quality shooters that Silas put out there, how much that unlocks the game for KPJ and Jalen Green. Well, what, what you you started saying that Alperin Shingun was the brightest spot on the team and you, didn't, you weren't trying to make that a slight to Jalen Green. I was going to take that and say, First of all, they're both 19, folks. So when we're talking about, we get caught up in the micro, and I want to focus on the micro versus the macro. We get caught up in the micro of, you know, oh, my God, we just lost this game. Tice played X amount of minutes. We have all these complaints about, about the actual game itself. And, and I have those complaints, too, so I'm not saying you're wrong for feeling that way. But we need to – we just need to do a better job of remi reminding ourselves of the macro. And tonight was a nice reminder of the macro. Tonight was a beautiful reminder that Alperin Shingun is – 19 years old, and he's going to be a Rocket for quite a while. Jalen Green, 19 years old, he's going to be a Rocket for quite a while. Kevin Porter Jr., 21 years old, potentially will be a Rocket for quite a while if he continues to grow, of course. So they have all these pieces, right? Now, Alperin Shangun has been the brightest spot, I think, because we know what Jalen Green, when he becomes what he becomes, what we hope he'll become, we know what that's supposed to look like, right? We know the comps. Uh, 
Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, Devin Booker, you know, your quintessential athletic, fast twitch, you know, whatever, super scoring two guard. The thing about Alperin Shangun is we don't quite know what he's going to become yet. It feels like he's always pulling a new trick out of his bag, right? There's the Jokic comparison, which like on some on some levels it matches because of the passing. But I see, I said this on Rockets with Roosh, subscribe. Um, he, he's got a lot of Scola in him. People forget Luis Scola came into the league, I think at 28 or 27. You know, he was with the Spurs. The Spurs had his draft rights. He wasn't with the Spurs. They had his draft rights, but they had Tim Duncan. And that was back when the league was playing a big five and Tim Duncan at the four. Tim Duncan might have played the five in today's NBA. They were not going to bring Scola over. And so they didn't. They traded him to the Rockets. His rights, Rockets brought him over. So he came over later in his career. I think Shangun. Shout out, hang on. I got to say, shout out Rockets legend V-Span, Vasily Spanoulis, Vasily who was in that trade. <laughs> Sorry. Who netted him. Honestly, side note, it's sad we didn't get to see Spanoulis. Spanoulis could have been amazing if he got the chance, but. Jeff Angoni had him in the doghouse, and that was what it was. But regardless, I think Shingun is what we might have seen Scola become had Scola come over at a young age, right? He's He's got such vision. Like, he's so polished. Jalen Green is still learning. Jalen Green's actually really polished, too. Um, and, you know, to his credit, Jalen Green goes against starters. Shingun plays against bench guys. So we, we need to keep that kind of in, in perspective and in picture. And Jalen Green is capable of playing 30-plus minutes a night. Shingun conditionally is still not there. And I think that's got something to do with why he plays such low minutes compared to what we want to see, you know. I think once he gets like an NBA, into NBA shape, he'll gradually work his way up. But we just don't know what to expect from him on a night-to-night basis, except we know it's going to be good. And so we're surprised, right? Jalen Green rises up, does something crazy. We're like, oh, my God. And don't forget, Jalen Green's highs are higher than Shingun. I mean, 30 points against the Celtics, 24 with that crazy finish, moonshot three over AD. So let's keep it in perspective. But Shingun is like that unicorn, you know? And, and, and I think we're also surprised as well because he was not on anyone's radar, at least as far as I saw, for the Rockets. We were talking about all these draft prospects, and none, no one was talking about Shingun. And we end up with Shingun, and we learn his skill set and everything he brings to the table on the fly. And the NBA fans, media, everyone started falling in love with him just as quickly as we did. And so we get to see him every game do this kind of stuff, man. 13 points in 16 minutes going against Booch on four of seven, two of three from three, swishing them after having, <laughs> after being a worse shooter than me, or so it seems. Like, it's just kind of crazy. So definitely want to want to shine the light on Shangun. Also, let's talk about Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Porter Jr., tonight looked like a point guard. I mean, he really looked like a point guard, you know? And, and it was kind of glaring, especially for the last two games, specifically against New York. Um, the Rockets were in that game, but they didn't have a point guard. And Eric Gordon did not, I mean, he really did not look like a point guard in that game. And it just felt like, man, if we had a point guard, you know, maybe things change. Kevin Porter Jr. in the first half, I forgot his exact numbers. I think he was three of six, had like seven and six or nine and six or something like that. Finished with 14 points, nine assists, six boards on five of 13 shooting, two of four from the field. I think he had six turnovers, so that's not what you want to see. He still needs to get better in that regard. But he was the only starter in the positive of the plus minus, so that's notable. And he was just a steadying force. Watching it live, I really got to see him control action. I really got to see – sorry, I thought I felt like a freaking insect on my back. <laughs> I, I really got to see him control the action, dictate the pace, and, like, you, you got to see – when he's running that pick and roll with Christian Wood and Christian Wood's at the five, and then you got Jalen Green on the other side of the court, like there's real potential there. And I think we've been deprived of getting to actually experience that potential. And I'm hoping we get to see more of it going forward. What, what did you think about uh, KPJ? 
I tr- truly, you know, I, I think that you walk away and you look at the the box score and it doesn't tell the full story. You look at the five of 13 shooting uh, the two of four from behind the arc impressive, but you're right. I think the, the control of the game is something that we're looking for, right? Is can KPJ, you know, speed up and slow down a game and, and get the rockets either into their sets or guide them through transition, you know, just how, how he imprints a game, right? And he's still learning. He's still trying to figure out how, okay, am I attacking right now? Am I setting my guys up? And I think that throughout the earlier part of the season, we saw a lot of indecision, right? We saw him kind of being maybe a little too tentative at times, kind of thinking through things too much rather than just reacting and being in the moment. And in this one, it really felt like there were, I mean, he finished with nine assists and I feel like the potential assists for him in this game were probably somewhere around the 13, 14 range. Like I feel like there were a handful that, you know, of of shots that his teammates just either didn't convert or maybe they bobbled a pass. You know, the six turnovers, you're right. They need to improve. There were a couple kind of careless ones, like a couple miscommunications. Like I think early on, I think it was literally first possession of the game. Uh, Jalen started to cut and KPJ threw him the ball and it resulted in a turnover. And I thought I had this immediate reaction where I go, oh, here it goes. First tone, first possession, already a turnover. And I thought it was going to be downhill from there. And they proved me wrong. So I'm happy about that. But I come away feeling really good about KPJ's game. And hopefully it's something he can build on moving forward. Unfortunately, this entire game, as fun as it is to talk about this win and as like just it feels like a weight has been lifted off. of Like I can only imagine how the players feel, how Silas feels, all of that. It feels like a weight's been lifted off my shoulders uh, now that the team has finally won a game. You've but, done the heavy lifting. Now you can breathe easy. There we go. Just but it wasn't all perfect. And I do think we got to talk about Jay Sean Tate, who I, I usually have nothing but good things to say about Jay Sean Tate and, and to be to be fair, he still you know he played his role on the uh, you know in this game defensively was still a presence on that end, but offensively it felt like he was kind of discombobulated a little bit, you know had very uncharacteristic turnovers that you don't usually see out of him right he had one where he like dribbled the ball like off his leg like going trying to drive baseline he had a couple turnovers off passes finished the game four of ten shooting five turnovers and you know missed all four of his three point shots and I think that's something that moving forward might become, I don't want to say like an increasingly larger issue, but I, I feel like the spotlight is going to be even brighter on Jay Sean Tate as like the weak link in the Rockets starting lineup, potentially as like a non-shooter. If he's not also delivering on the other aspects of his game that we know that he can, you know, I, I was talking about this with somebody on the media row at the Rockets game, just saying, you know, the difference between, say, Jay Shantae and Daniel Tice, right? Is Daniel Tice is a non-shooter. Defenses don't respect him. They sag off of him. They do the same thing to Jay Shantae. But the difference is Jay Sean can create stuff out of that, right? He can drive the ball in. He can t- he can attack off the bounce. And then he can create for others, right? He's relentless when we see, see him driving to the rim, the, you know, the pivots, the spins, all of that. And then whether he dishes it to somebody else, it kicks it out for a three, or he just, you know, gets a little, one of those little baby hooks off at the rim. He finds ways to still be effective. I think he still has to keep taking those shots. The four threes that he got in this game were all good looks. Like he has to continue taking those shots, but he also has to start converting on them at some point. Yeah. So it's tough um, because I love everything he does, except for the way he shoots the ball. Um, Now, if you run the starting lineup, you ran tonight where he's the only non-shooter, you could argue Kevin, you'd have a pretty good argue, pretty good argument that Kevin Porter Jr. Jesus. You'd have a pretty good argument that Kevin Porter Jr. would be the other non-shooter in the lineup. Um, I think that's the way you got to do it. He's got to be the only non-shooter on the floor for the most part. Now, there really is no comparison to Tice because, like you said, 
Jay Sean Tate has a lot of moves. He can drive. He knows how to drive and finish. He knows how to drive and then pivot until he can get that little baby hook off and finish. Um, he's actually a much, I mean, a much better passer than, than Daniel Tice. And uh, he's incredible at crashing boards, man. How many times do we see Jay Sean Tate fly over somebody for like a putback dunk or something like that? So he's versatile on, on offense. But it is worrisome because, look, the Rockets don't have a lot of talent. And so you can't relative to other NBA teams, of course, and their talent is young, still developing, growing, all that. But you can't bail the other team out. And Jay Sean Tate, you can leave Jay Sean Tate open for three, and that is a bailout for the other team. And we saw that tonight, 0-4. He only played 21 minutes. It's interesting to note. The Rockets won with him only playing 21 minutes. I don't know off the top of my head, but I'd be really interested to see how, how many minutes he played in the second half. Um, I feel like most of those minutes were in the first half, but I don't know. I could be wrong. To the point about him having five turnovers and what I mentioned about Kevin Porter Jr. having six turnovers, uh, the Rockets had 22 turnovers tonight. 22 turnovers to the Bulls having 14 turnovers. The Rockets had four more turnovers than, yeah. Jay Sean Tate played four minutes and 49 seconds in the second half. So that's, that's you know, I mean, it's one game. I don't want to overanalyze one game, but that's kind of worrisome um, because, you know, they got it done without him, you know, so I don't know. But regardless, the Rockets had 22 turnovers total. They, I think they averaged prior to this game, they averaged 18 turnovers a game. So they had four more than their season average. And they still won, right? Because they made their threes. So that's kind of the trade-off. If a guy like Jay Sean Tate's missing his threes and turning the ball over, you can't do both of those, right? If you're going to turn the ball over, you have to at least have shot makers that make their shots that spread the floor, give you optionality in that regard. Also interesting, kind of interesting stat here. Rockets had 22, 22 turnovers. Bulls had 14. But the Bulls scored 25 points off of those 22 turnovers, and the Rockets scored 35 off those 14. So it's funny how, like, basketball kind of, you know, in these weird ways, like the Rockets turned it over so much more and scored 10 more points. It almost makes no sense. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's kind of the tough part. I also want to talk about K.J. Martin. Um, stats, nothing impressive. Five points, four boards, one dime. Uh, did he have a block? I can't remember. No, he did not have a block. He only played um, 15 minutes, but his energy is noticeable, man. He was another plus in the plus minus. He was a plus three. Um, a lot of the bench was a plus, but that energy was apparent tonight. He had this one reverse dunk that was really awesome. Um, and you just kind of see if you play him with the right lineups and if you cap, if Silas can push the right buttons and get KJ Martin's energy bottled with the right lineup and the right stretch with the right amount of momentum, it can do a lot of good. Um, but also, man, I don't know how much time we have left, but I think we need to talk about Steven Silas. We can. We need to. I mean, we talked about him a little bit in the beginning. And I mean, his job, been, his job was reportedly on the line this morning. Yeah. And he just came up with his biggest win, at, you know, as a Rocket. So. And I, I think, you know, I, I appreciate, like, I... I appreciate the mentality that Steven Silas had going into this game. You know, he very much stated like this win, you know, I want that. He said, I want this win for the guys. He was like, I want this win for them. Right. He, and he was like, I want this win for Eric Gordon, for Kevin Porter Jr. For Jalen green, you know, listing off all these different guys. And he was actually so elated post game. And in fact, I can run that back right now, real quick, just Steven Silas reacting to getting this, you know, this just the second win of the season and ending the losing streak. Definitely feels good, but I can be more than the win. Like, it just feels good for the guys. Like, house. It feels good, so good for house. And uh, it feels so good for Scoot. And it feels so good for C. Wood, who 
has struggled from the free throw line and made two huge free throws down the down the stretch and made a great play off the roll to the corner pass. Um, it feels great for Garrison and Armani and Eric, who has been like a stalwart through this whole thing. So, yeah, it feels good to win, but it feels so much better for those guys. Like I said before the game, it's really just about them. And uh, I couldn't be more proud. So Steven Silas, you know, just literally just going basically through the entire roster, you know, naming off every name he could think of off the top of his head and, you know, can how you proud also, he is with this group of guys. Can you also play his – I, I want to see that response because I saw a little clip. I didn't see the whole thing. I want to see his response where he kind of took the veil off for a second and, and stopped, like, the fluffy bullshit and was, like, you know, kind of put his put his foot down and was like, look, man, I don't have to do this for anybody or whatever, you know. He had, like, yeah. a, a more of an attitudinal ballsy response. And I just want to say – that that's what I want to see from my head coach. I don't want the fluffy bullshit. I want to see some some guff, you know, but yeah, play it if you can. I don't need it all. I don't need a win. I don't need um, like approval. <laughs> I believe in what I do. I think I'm good at it. Uh, the players respond when I challenge them or um, Coach them. So whether we won or lost tonight, I'm the same coach. So doesn't matter. Yeah, Steven Silas, you know, not not pulling any punches there. Basically, you know, he I I think he right, he he talked about it pregame, you know, talking about the fact that, you know, he's been in this life for a long time, right? His dad, former player, coach, like he's been he he's an NBA lifer for a reason. And so he's, you know, he talked about being on the same coaching staff as his father and seeing people saying the things that they would say in the media about his dad. And he would like take it personally. And he was like, he was more hurt by it than his dad was. And so now he's in that position finally where I'm sure that he sees and hears some of the things, you know, the the criticisms, the accusations, you know, is he on the hot seat, all this stuff. So for him to come out that firmly and just be like, no, I'm confident in what I do and I believe in what I do. I, you got to give the man a lot of respect for that. I interpreted that comment as I read what y'all said, but F y'all. And I like it. <laughs> I mean, I like it, dude. Like at some point, man, you, you gotta, that's the thing that's been lacking is he just seems like a nice guy and that's cool, man. But what coach, what elite coach in the, in the, in, in the NBA do you know was just a nice guy, you know, maybe Phil Jackson, Zen master, but not even then he was like the Zen, you know, he like played like the mental game and, you know, had those like little tactics and stuff. Wasn't just like a fluffy, nice guy. You know who was a nice guy? Mike D'Antoni. And you know who never was able to get his team to respond whenever they needed to? Mike D'Antoni. Now, these are very general, broad, you know, strokes that we're painting here. But I like to see, especially in a rebuilding team with a bunch of kids, man. And I'm, I'm able to say that now because I'm 32 and the team's 19 years old. So they're kids. you got to have someone that can kind of grab the situation. And I think that's why you saw John Lucas's name floated as a rumor because He's someone that you know can kind of get that response from those from those kids and command that respect. So He's OG. I, yeah, I believe that the that the players respond to him when they challenge him, but we need to see him command that respect. And hopefully tonight was kind of a launching pad toward that. Another thing, it takes balls to sit Daniel Tice and play him zero minutes. That takes balls. It's not easy to do. We all sit here on Twitter saying, "Oh, you got to do it." I believe yes, you absolutely don't don't play Daniel Tice unless the matchup calls for it. Which, by the way, if any matchup would call for it. I think we'd all predict Vucevic would call for Daniel Tice, and it didn't. So when you when you want to talk about matchups and, oh, we should play Daniel Tice against this big, lumbering, slow center, Q 
keep that in mind. Um, it takes balls to look at Daniel Tyson and say, hey, dude, I don't think you're going to play tonight. You know, it also takes balls to not have that conversation and simply just sit his ass all, all game. Either, either way, it takes balls, right? Um, so credit to him. We commend him for that. And another thing, Tyson Waba didn't play. So we know what's up with Tice. I think this spells the end. I mean, it, David Nwaba hasn't played much recently, but I think this spells the end of David Nwaba, unfortunately. I like him. I like, I just like him. But I think we've realized that you cannot live with that big. I think um, my hope is Silas took away from this game. Look, if I got a guy on the floor that straight up can't shoot, that's not named Jay Sean Tate, we're going to get run off the floor. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think it's, there's, there's that level of frustration where you're just like, why did it take this many games to come to that realization? And I still think that there was, you know, either, you know, potentially an upper management directive or just like that hard conversation had to eventually be had with Daniel Tice, where it's like, Hey, like, we know we brought you in to be like the defensive anchor and we wanted to pair you with Christian Wood, but that experiment is going horrendously. And, you know, it, maybe it just took a little bit longer than it should have for them to sit him down and have that discussion. Or like you said, maybe they didn't even have the discussion. Maybe they just said, you know what? We're just not going to play you tonight. Whatever that, whatever ultimately happened, right? I'm glad it finally happened because we got to see a glimpse into what this team is capable of, right? What their potential is as a unit. Hopefully Jalen Green's injury isn't, se isn't severe, isn't going to be held out for a significant amount of time because I want to see what this core group of guys can do moving forward with having the, you know, the unlocked potential of Wood at the five, Shingun at the five, just running the one big, all the spacing, all these different things that we spent time hammering out. But we are well over time. We can I say one more thing? You can say, you are rivaling Isaac on Locked on Mavs. For, he has the title on Locked on Mavs of the one more thing king. That's what Nick calls him, is the one more thing king. You are rivaling hey, me, him at this call point. Call me the one more thing king, ding-a-ling, baby. It's our double, our double will again, the Mastodon. Um, look, I always got something more to say. I'm just so excited about the goddamn ring, man. But um, I will say, to add on to what you were saying, if we're going to say say. Um, <laughs> Out with it. Spit it, man. Come on. Hey, you, you can't say you don't have fun when I'm on. We have fun. So Absolutely. Um, they brought Daniel Tyson, and, and we all bought into, like, oh, the defensive big next to Christian Wood. This is the way it'll work. That's the conversation. I mean, I'm guessing here. I don't know this information, but that's got to be the conversation they had when they talked to Daniel Tice to bring him here in the first place, right? They had to have had some type of sell of, hey, yeah. we'll be the big next to Christian Wood, the big that we need. And then to bring him here and totally flip that upside down on some Bel Air, Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air shit, 15 games into the season, right? When he's a vet with more of a reputation than half the roster, it's tough to do that. Now, not making the change, to give a slight nod to our good friend Drew from Twitter Spaces, might be a bit myopic, but um, finally we've seen the change, you know. And, and you have to you have to also consider like it's easy. We sit here, we talk our shit, whatever. But at the end of the day, if Silas makes that move that we wanted to see, and the Rockets get thumped and and played off the floor, now he's out of tricks, right? And now his bag is empty. And now the Rockets are just kind of in a shitty place and he has no justification. He can no longer look Daniel Tyson in the eye and say, well, I got to bench you. And so now and then he's totally on the hot seat. So it's hard to say how it's going to play out, but all things happen for a reason. Most things, not all things, most things happen for a reason. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, 
and we'll see if he continues to do this and we'll see how the Rockets continue to respond. But I've said this last thing I'll say, I promise and I'll end it. The best version of Christian Wood is Christian Wood at the five because you need Christian Wood in the pick and roll. That is the, that is the starting point of the Rockets offense and everything else can play off of that. But you need Christian Wood in the pick and roll because that's the only action that definitely will command a double team. And if it doesn't, not even a double team, extra attention, guys rotating over, leaving their man, thus creating more options and more space. And if it doesn't, then you get Christian Wood isoed on someone moving downhill. And usually that results in like a layup or a dunk. We saw that tonight. We saw the pick and roll, Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood. That's where it starts. So that's the building block moving forward. Our double. (laughs) Well put. We covered way too much ground, but we covered a lot of ground because, hey, we don't know when the next win is going to come by. We don't. it could be it could be slim pickings for a very long season. So with that, we we bid you adieu with a special goodness. It's going to be an hour long episode. That's really impressive. Um, my channel. Yo, we got to really win. People me. want some content to consume. And guess what? Go. The Rockets have the Hornets, the Thunder, the Magic, and the Pelicans coming up. So maybe we'll get a couple more. I hope. Hopefully, we'll get some more wins with this new, new and improved starting lineup. All the spacing. Hopefully, Jalen Green is on the mend. All those things. Be sure to check out Rockets with Roosh wherever. Not I can't say wherever you get your podcasts. It's on I'm YouTube. solely on YouTube with that right now because I'm trying to be like you. I'm trying to build my YouTube channel up and be a YouTube star. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, check, you got to check out rockets with Roosh on YouTube. Go give it a, go give it a follow a like. I'll put a link to the show in the comment section. So go check out his show. Roosh as always. No, miles Turner. Check that out as well. There we go. Always. That that is available everywhere. You get your podcast. There we go. Um, you got me all kerfluffled on, on how I'm going to close out my show. What's my next part? How do I do this? What's my breakdown? Oh my goodness, you got me all met. You've got me all messed up. The first show that we do together, and I'm I'm all off kilter, off the rails, but it's cool because the Rockets got a W. Go check out Roosh's content. Follow him on Twitter. As always, like, subscribe, rate, right? No, that's not it. No, 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 that's not it. <laughs> Roosh, thank you for taking the time to join us on the show. Can't wait to have you back next week. There it is. All right, he's gonna give us a he's gonna give us a fist bump. Hopefully you enjoyed our show with Roosh Williams. He's going to be back each and every week. We're not going to make them hour-long episodes. We're going to get back down to what it's supposed to be, 30 to 35 minutes, hopefully. I don't know. It's probably going to run long with Roosh. But with that, as always, appreciate you checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app. Also, the Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. Hit subscribe. Follow along in the comments. Like, all that good stuff. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.